Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. To those before, to those after. To us now and to those beyond. To those before, to those after. To us now and to those beyond. Seen or unseen, here but not here. Seen or unseen, here but not here. The Midnight Club, Season 1, Episode 1, The Final Chapter. This is the first episode of the new Mike Flanagan show, uh, co-created with Leah Fong. Fong. Uh, They work together on The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is a miniseries by the two of them. Obviously, uh, Mike Flanagan, horror director, uh, also of movies as well as TV, most notably, the newest of his creations was the miniseries on Netflix, Midnight Mass, which was an amazing show. I did an episode-by-episode episode recap of that show, that miniseries as well. Uh, I recently rewatched or watched for the first time in a lot of instances every single Mike Flanagan film, and I will be doing at the end of the week a top five, my top five favorite movies of his. Uh, I've also checked out The Haunting of Hill House, which is a beautifully written film. Uh, He's an amazing director, uh, blends practical effects and digital effects seamlessly, Uh, doesn't do a lot of horror tropes, uh, something that uh, he uses subtlety uh, in order to scare you. Uh, Not a lot of body horror, horror, not a lot of uh, torture porn. Uh, Not a lot of jump scares, although, despite that fact, uh, this first episode of The Midnight Club uh, got a Guinness, broke a Guinness Book of World Records uh, record for the most jump scares in an episode of TV. I think it could be even of just anything, really. I mean, there were, I think the total was 23 jump scares. Uh, which we'll get to that, where, where those jump scares show up. And it's not, it is the story within the story. The season of the show, which is not a miniseries by all uh, accounts, as far as I know. It definitely, I, full, full, uh, full honesty here, I did binge the full series season one of The Midnight Club. Even though I will be breaking down and talk about each episode spoiling each episode by episode every tuesday there will be a new episode uh talking about a specific episode of midnight club uh despite that i did so i won't spoil anything i will make sure i keep it so if you are following along episode by episode uh with this show uh, i will not spoil anything from the future episodes i will only be talking about this episode uh, but I did do that in order to just see the overall what what story arcs are contained. And so I know what things I need to pay attention to and what things I don't need to pay attention to uh, to make sure I talk about. Just to make sure I give a more honest and accurate uh, recalling and retelling Uh, and focusing on the right aspects of what's being shown in the show. And maybe there's stuff I will notice in my second rewatch of this show, because I will obviously be rewatching each episode in preparation 
for the podcast. Uh, there might be things that will be noticed in my second viewing that I did not notice because it was more of a casual viewing of the sh of the series because I know I'm going to rewatch it anyway. But I wanted to be sure, full disclosure, that I have watched all 10 episodes of The Midnight Club, which are all available on Netflix. However, each Tuesday, talking about and breaking down one episode at a time. Uh, and this one, to set up what The Midnight Club is, this is a show that takes place in the 90s, which is a decade that I absolutely love. I grew up in all of the kids in this show would be a few years older than me. I believe the year this takes place is 1997, somewhere around there. Uh, the location seems to be, it is a fictional place, a fictional location. It was shot in British Columbia, Canada. I, I don't know if this is supposed to, I couldn't really find a, a identification of where this, this, uh, Brightcliff Manor is supposed to supposed to exist in the fiction of this story. But it does seem Pacific Northwest-ish, right? Oregon, Washington, British Columbia, that kind of region uh, of the northern uh, Pacific Coast area. Uh, very beautiful, a lot of greenery, a lot of forest, a lot of everything beauty uh, in that area. And the show definitely taps into that beauty. Uh, but also a lot of 90s music, which I love. Uh, this I love this show. It's, that's, this show is set in the 90s, not only for the 90s music, also the 90s fashion. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, times are tough in the world right now. And I constantly wish I could go back and relive the 90s, go back to an easier, a simpler time. Uh, when seemingly the world wasn't falling apart in the same way it is today. So this show does a great job of transporting me back to that era, uh, to the 90s. So I enjoy that. Also, this show is very much a show about stories. Storytelling is a huge aspect of this show in general. All of the, obviously, the Midnight Club is a group of kids uh, who are all living in Brightcliff, which is a hospice for kids, and they meet at midnight and tell each other ghost, story, ghost stories. And in their telling of ghost stories is kind of like a writer's room. They are critiquing each other. It is very much, there is a love of storytelling, uh, just embedded deep within this show where not only is the overarching story of the midnight club an interesting story but also inside each episode we get a unique story told by one of these characters which also in some ways illuminates the character themselves the stories they tell uh, are related to things of their life, who they are, and what they've done in their life. And in that way, not only is it an amazing love letter to storytelling and to stories, but also a love letter to anthology horror films. This is obviously a horror show. 
you know, later on this week, I'm talking about Creep Show, which is a, a film of, you know, short stories, an anthology film. Uh, horror in general is a genre of storytelling that tends to go hand in hand with an anthology, with short stories. Uh, recently, I talked about the three extremes horror fran the the short films and uh this in so many ways is is has a piece of that has a piece of the horror anthology spirit within it and uh it's nice it's nice to have a story within a story where the connective tissue of the short stories that we get within each episode uh the connective tissue is also the overarching main story of the show so the complexity of it i love and mike flanagan uh, is somebody that's able to produce amazing horror out of very little whether it's like hush or gerald's game very minimal storytelling very minimal characters or even something as complex as doctor sleep or the haunting of hill house which are very complex storytelling uh, but well-made. He is an amazing storyteller. And this show hits on so many aspects of storytelling, but also hits on so many emotions. Uh, this will make you laugh. This will make you cry. This will make you be scared, obviously, uh, which is a hallmark of horror. Uh, but let's get into it. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this. I love all the characters. I love the show, and I love the creativity of the show, and I'm excited for my opportunity to go through and talk about each specific episode and really uh, discuss them and talk about the things that I enjoyed. So this, this show, this episode starts off, we meet our main character, Ilanka, who is a foster kid. She is uh, preparing to give a speech for graduation. She is graduating high school a year early. She is second in her class of 900, graduating class of 900, uh, which I believe is a salutatorian. She is preparing her speech. Uh, she is clearly somebody who is a very intelligent, obviously skipping a grade, graduating early, very driven, uh, very, like, passionate about learning and about understanding the world around her uh, so a very good main character solid main character for this show and while out partying which is not something she does she's kind of stepping outside of her her normal self uh, going to a college party before she graduates high school to kind of dip her toe into what college life is going to be socializing in college is going to be uh, while at this party, uh, she coughs up some blood um, and uh, passes out and then tests her run, finds out she has thyroid cancer. And that's kind of how we are introduced to this, this character, finding out all the things about her. We also see that Alonka has visions, visions while she's awake, also visions while she's sleeping. And a lot of these visions seemingly seem to be visions of things that she will encounter in the future so in some ways maybe she's able to see the future she in you know is regularly kind of uh noticing deja vu in her life because obviously these visions she's has 
one of the visions she has, she's at this party, coughs up blood, goes to wash it off. She passes out, but she has like visions of the the bright cliff hospice this this mansion she has visions of that she has visions of uh the the table that they all sit around for the midnight club where they're telling their stories uh she has visions of an old lady an old woman who's like almost like zombified in some ways also an old man that is zombified in some ways cloaked figures uh, and then also like shadowy, like, uh, you know, there's there's a bit of shadow shadows that kind of grow and are ominous and move around and different different scary elements that she's v- visualizing. She's getting visions of. But she she goes. She gets testing, finds out she has thyroid cancer, trying to get what her odds are. She's very intelligent, as I said. And she wants to know, she wants to know the brass tack. She wants to know the facts, the numbers, what, what she's working with. Because she wants to outthink this thing. She wants to know what her chances are. She wants to know what her odds are. And they're not looking good. The doctor doesn't want to say. Um, but they go through the treatment. Nine months later, she's celebrating her 18th birthday in the hospital right no lit candles because it's a hospital you can't have open flames in a hospital uh but you know kind of celebrating a moment in her life in a very dark place in her life where she's gone through treatment doesn't seem to be helping and uh, it's it's not looking good for her and she does her own research you know dial up modem sounds Right, old CRT computer monitors using Netscape Navigator as her browser. Uh, she comes across, she finds a picture of the of Brightcliff that she envisioned when she passed out, and it surprises her. And she finds this story of this woman, Julia Jane, who had the same cancer as her, who went to this place. She went missing. And she was cured, right? So she thinks that maybe there's something when it's her, the same cancer she has, maybe this is an opportunity for her to maybe get cured. She's looking for any, any kind of way, which I'm sure is common with anybody who has a terminal illness, trying any type of thing to cure this, to, to heal yourself or to get healing. Take a little break from the show to promote gift certificates. If you want to purchase artwork for somebody, you have an art lover in your life, and you think they would like my art, but you don't know what painting to get them. I have over 2,000 original pieces of art for sale in my store, along with shirts and prints and other things. So I can understand that being a bit daunting if you're trying to buy something for somebody else. Give them the gift certificate, and then they can go to my website, inspireddisorder.com, and they can buy whatever paintings they want. They can buy whatever prints they want. They can buy T-shirts. They can buy hats. They can buy all the different merch. Gift certificates, which are available currently at inspireddisorder.com. And now let's get back to the show. So this story inspires her. She sells her her foster father on the idea. This hospice for kids. 
which we find out that was one of my big questions is like, why would these kids, why would parents want their kids to go? Why wouldn't they want to spend the last moments with their kids? Uh, but it turns out that this place is for people who are foster children like Alonka is, or they ha they don't have family or in some cases like we we get to see all the kids and all of their families are different situations like one of the kids families is uh you know we 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 kind of see in a lot of ways why a lot of these kids are there which makes sense which makes sense but it's also a place where they can transition on their own terms uh it is definitely a place where they're able to find a, 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 an aspect of family that they may not have had before going there uh some camaraderie uh some just it just a lot of a lot of uh a lot of aspects of community uh they find when they go to this place but she wants to go there because she thinks it's going to be beneficial health-wise for her because of this julia jane and uh, you know, when she goes there, she knows all about the building already. She gets the tour from uh, Mark, who is the nurse. Well, actually, when she first gets there, one of the visions she had was a boy sitting on a bench. And when she gets there, there's a boy sitting on a bench. We find out that kid is Kevin, who played Warren in the previous in Midnight Mass. Uh, he is here as Kevin, and she feels like she recognizes him. He has a very similar feeling that they know each other, but they don't know each other. Uh, but Kevin is the first person that we meet that's there. He has, I believe, leukemia. Um, then she goes in. She gets the introduced, uh, kind of shown around a little bit by uh, the nurse, Mark, who is, uh, what is his name? Uh, Mark's name is... Uh, uh, Zach Guilford, which, you know, from not only from Midnight Mass, but also Friday Night Lights, uh, great show. He plays a, the nurse at this facility, and we find out that Alonka knows the entire history of this building, when it was built, the different people that inhabited the building before it became a hospice, how there was a cult at one point that... Uh, was part of the building become before it became a, hosp a hospice. Uh, so she's obviously well-educated about this building. Obviously, she, she's done her research. As we know, that's the type of person she is. And uh, while the dad kind of gets, or the, the stepfather, or the foster father, her foster father, kind of does the paperwork or whatever she gets a tour from spence who is one of the other kids uh that's there so he's kind of giving her a tour showing her around uh they walk by a room where two people are doing yoga uh we see natsuki and sandra doing yoga uh and uh, sandra is notably the the jesus freak which she was Lisa in Midnight Mass, which she was also a Jesus freak, although most of the characters in Midnight Mass were Jesus freaks, but that is kind of a similar character she's playing in this. They're doing yoga, which, of course, in the 90s was a new thing, a new Hindi uh, thing, uh, which is funny how, how yoga used to be like this new thing, and now it's, it's so much 
it's it's become it's become so much of uh like a major aspect of of america in a lot of ways uh and maybe not for the best but she gets her tour uh she sees them she sees amish who is playing video games there's an arcade uh, and uh, Amish kind of joins in the tour. She sees the elevator, which becomes a part of this, is a is a major aspect of this show. Uh, and sh they kind of dare her to go to the basement, but stop her before she does, uh, because it is the it is the morgue of the building, which is kind of a bummer. They you know as she's about to do it, she's like, ah, I've been through three trials of chemo. I'm not scared of anything. And they're like, oh, yeah, maybe we shouldn't do this. And also Amish was – he's also the the newest – before Ilanka, Amish was the the newest member of the club, as it were. Uh, and he was the – he can no longer be referred to as the new guy finally. And he's somebody that was hoping to be hazed in some way, considering they were supposed to be his college years, but – you know, he instantly realizes how horrible hazing would be, uh, considering how dark the the situation is. Uh, but that's it's kind of fun. We're so we're we're getting to know, we're getting to see all of the different characters. Cherie is in her room playing the cello, and we find out pretty uh, one of her characteristics is that she's a pathological liar, uh, but also able to play the ch the cello. Uh, she gets to her room, uh, which her roommate is Anya, who is by far my favorite character. We do not see Anya yet, but spoilers for my favorite character is Anya. Uh, she was supposed to be there to give uh, Alanka the tour, uh, but obviously she didn't, and she's not even in her room. Uh, but she's this is she's shown her room, and you know, kind of left to unpack, as it were. And uh, so, you know, so she gets to see the house. She gets to, I mean, it's a beautiful house. So many, it's kind of weird how many Mike Flanagan stories, whether they're movies or TV shows, involve a giant mansion. I mean, Bly Manor, Hill House, uh, I guess Midnight Mass didn't have anything, but even like Oculus has a, a, a large house. Um, I mean, even Hush, there it's a pretty large house. Not necessarily a mansion, but definitely large buildings. <laughs> you know, people have money in in a lot of these in a lot of these stories. But I guess that makes more sense than like an apartment. <laughs> you know, a haunted apartment. Although I would say to step out of this whole thing and just recommend uh, the Paranormal Activity uh, four or five takes place in an apartment. One of my favorite paranormal activities definitely changes up that franchise a bit. Um, so anyway, she she finds out Anya, who's Irish as well. Uh, she has she's an amputee, is in a motorized wheelchair. Has uh, uh, I love jaded, angry, uh, but brutally honest characters. I can tell you that, and that is what Anya is. And I absolutely I think she's hilarious. Uh, I appreciate the brutal honesty and the kind of jaded uh, kind of aspects of her. Uh, but, you know, it's great. So later on in the evening, she sees that Anya leaves. Roommate leaves. And 
she follows her. Like she had a nightmare and happens to wake up right before Anya leaves. And in the nightmare, she has she sees you know the hooded figures. She sees, I, I think everybody kind of, like, she sees a vision of a hooded figure at the head of a table, the fireplace, everybody sitting around the table, seemingly dead or passed out, and it's all of the kids aside from Elanka, I believe, uh, are there. So it, maybe it's implying that she's in the hood. You know, I don't know, but it's it's one of the visions in her nightmare. And she wakes up just as Anya's leaving, sneaking out of her room, which they're not supposed to sneak out of the room. Supposed to stay in the room, uh, but they sneak out and she follows. She follows Anya to I believe it's the library where they they uh, have a fire going and they sit around uh, drinking. Some of them drinking alcohol and telling stories. She sneaks into this room and while uh, I believe it's Natsuki is telling a story, and we're in the story of her, they, they tell their, their chant, their saying that they say, which I play at the beginning of every episode, before they start telling the story. And then we're, we're transported into the story they're telling, which is you know acted by all the kids that are part of the overarching story. So it's great. And her story, uh, Natsuki's story, is a continuation of a story she was telling prior. And a kid that's walking home after a concert, walking down a street, but seemingly lost. Nobody is there. And then he starts noticing people in their windows staring at him from inside their house, staring at him with like a big smile on their face. And then it proceeds to be the record-breaking amount of jump scares, which instantly criticized by spence saying that being surprised isn't necessarily the same as being scared and natsuki's like well when you're startled it releases a a large amount of adrenaline which is you know tip like it, it releases similar things that that being scared will obviously jump scares a major part of most movies however which is interesting not something you see in Mike Flanagan films. Usually, scary elements are usually decorating the, the background of a lot of Mike Flanagan stuff. It is, it, I really, after watching all of his films, it is like I can't really remember or recall a jump scare. Where jump scares, usually something presenting themselves immediately to the character that we're following scaring them obviously also accompanied by you know the score or sound effects that enhance the surprise two elements that you don't see in mike flanagan stuff uh, however because these are stories being told by kids obviously and it, it's a ridiculous amount of jump scares it is a it kind of funny Kind of funny. So we're, we're getting this story, and while the story is being told, Ilanka accidentally knocks something over, exposes herself that she's, been, that she's been hiding, watching them, and then they kind of invite her to join. So you kind of see that, obviously, they get together, they tell stories, they're all, there is a love for stories that these kids have, 
It is kind of a writer's room where they're talking about tropes in storytelling, what works, what doesn't work, how to improve their stories. Like there is a love of stories that all of these kids have, not only in telling the stories, but also telling good stories. And it's also a scene where we see the community and the camaraderie that these kids have uh, and the, the familial aspect that this club has getting together at midnight to tell these stories. So, Alanka, to join the club, has to take a drink of wine, despite the fact that she's worried it might interfere with her meds. But there, you know, she does it anyway. And then she's invited to tell a story, which is part of the aspect of ha being part of this club, is you have to tell a story. You know, like Fight Club. If you're going to be part of Fight Club, you got to fight. Although... The one person that has not told a story yet is Cherie. She tells stories, technically, constantly, right? Pathological liar. Hard to tell what's true, what's not with her. But she has yet to tell a story. She has an excuse that she's, she's in post-production on the story. Still doing edits and post. Uh, still trying to figure out, you know, making excuses, really. But she's still able to be part of the club, obviously, everybody's part of the club you have to be i mean it would be it would be sad if you were out of eight kids at this hospice if you weren't part of the club if you were the one person out let's take a little break from the show to promote if you sign up for inspired disorder plus for one year specifically you get a free painting so a year subscription of inspired disorder plus is fifty dollars the painting the majority of them are a hundred dollars so it's a hundred and fifty dollar value signing up for one year of inspired disorder plus so not only do you get a free painting but you also are subscribed to plus for a year which means that you can binge this show the ray taylor show ad free the full week ad free available on on Monday. You also get discounts that are members-only pricing type of deals. All of the podcasts that I've produced in the past, close to 20 different podcasts, I've produced hundreds of episodes. There's also my personal blog. You can ask me anything if you want to start podcasting or get into art. All of that stuff available in addition to a free painting when you sign up to one year subscription of Inspired Disorder Plus. Head on over to inspiredisorder.com slash plus and become an Inspired Disorder Plus member today. And now let's get back to the show! But thankfully, Alonka, also somebody who loves stories, when she was at the college party, she was talking to a guy there, and she was talking about her love of different writers that she loves, uh, Mary, Shelley, Frank, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein specifically, uh, how impressed she was that this was this young woman writing this story that became so culturally relevant and like inspired a lot of a lot of horror in general. So she is a lover of telling stories as well. Part of her speech for graduation was about how we are the authors of our own story. So she fits right in with this group of clearly people who love stories who love to tell stories. So she sits down at the head of the table, which it seems like the person telling the story sits in front of the fire as everybody else uh, listens to their story, hopefully not interrupting their story. So we get a little bit of one story from Natsuki, 
and then we get a, a story from Alonka, and Alonka's story is about Julia Jane, the the woman that story she saw that inspired her to go to Brightcliff. Uh, and it's a story where she was there, Julia was there at Brightcliff uh, when it was a newly begun hospice. She has the same cancer as Alonka. And she was fixated on the year anniversary of her diagnosis, the year she thought she was going to be uh, dead. And she was fixated on that date. And then she left. Things happened. And when she came back, she was able to predict other people's dates. Sitting at the table in the, in the dining room, uh, telling the, the dates to people sitting next to. And we find out that those people ended up dying on those dates. Not only the people that were also uh, with cancer in the hospice, but also, which actually not all of the people in the hospice have cancer, but they are all terminally ill. Uh, so they all died on the death date, including the nurse who kind of took her out of the room. He ended up dying in a car accident. So it's a story about Julia Jane being able to predict when people were to die. And uh, it's the story about how when she came back, this per person disappeared for a week. And when she came back, she was healthy. No cancer. She was healthy. And, of course, this story that she's telling is largely based on the story that inspired her to go. And after the storytelling, she's like, I, she doesn't finish the story. But she also tells the group that, like, listen, I, this place is special. Brightcliff Hospice, this manor, is a special place, and a lot of things have happened here. And I know all of the stories of this place because I've researched it. And if you let me into this club, I'll tell you the stories of this place, right? And I'll finish the story about Julia Jane. So kind of... You know, not giving all of it, definitely selling herself well to a club that's probably going to bring her in anyway, but doing a great job of it. Uh, so they do. They bring her in. And uh, there's also another aspect to the club that is not just storytelling, and that is the people, if the first person that dies in their group, or when any of them die, really, because it's kind of like this group started seemingly before they were there, the Midnight Club. It's a club that's been going at Brightcliff for a long time. And the members are constantly rotating as people die and new people come to stay at this hospice. So that is an aspect of the show, I assume, as the show goes on. For however many seasons, there is going to be somewhat of a revolving cast. As people die and more people come to replace them, they're going to, we're going to have new interesting stories that they tell. So it is going to be an, an evolving show of new characters. We're seemingly, like all of these characters that are in this season aren't going to be they're all going to die at some point unless magic happens 
right? So, but the thing is, when they die, is that they're supposed to give, reach from beyond, reach back from beyond to give them a sign, to, to tell the rest of the people of the club, uh, give them a sign from the afterlife. So that's the other aspect to the Midnight Club. In addition to telling stories, uh, which are generally meant to sca be scary stories, however, of course, Sandra, the Jesus freak, tells, as they say, uh, angel porn stories. So I'm sure the stories that she tell probably are right out of the Bible or very, you know, relatable to other stories in the Bible. Uh, we hear uh, Amish uh, apparently has told stories that were taken from Doctor Who. So they're not all scary stories, but they are intended to be scary. Uh, they are stories that they're creating ghosts, as I believe uh, Nasuki s refers to them as. We're making ghosts, right? We're making... It's, it's interesting. I, I Like, the, the whole ideas of creating stories, of telling stories, are, are giving life to things. I mean, that is what stories are, if not a way to, to live forever. You know, if your story is told, the, the best stories are handed down uh, the same way every time, you know, and they are in some ways creating stories, immortalizing themselves in some ways, because there's the, a lot of these stories are based on themselves. So anyway, she's part of it. Kevin, however, knows that uh, her story, that Alonka's story isn't completely made up because in the hallways of this place are pictures of people who used to be there, people who are no longer alive that used to be the kids there, that were the members of the clubs. And as they pass away, their pictures are, are placed on the walls. And he is one of the few people who actually studies the pictures as well as the names that are on the pictures. And he points to one of the pictures, one of the first groups of kids uh, that were part of the, the Brightcliff Hospice and uh, specifically Julia Jane. So he knows that it's not true. She obviously tells him that, you know, this is why I'm here. This is what I'm doing. And it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, that's pretty much where it ends. It's pretty much where the episode ends after they, the meeting is over. Uh, there's also, when she first goes to her room, which is in one of the trailers for the show, she sees that the, the person that was in that, her room, Alonka's room before, uh, that her, her bed, underneath her bed, are these drawings in chalk, like a pentagram. And we find out from Anya that her roommate was into Wiccan before she passed away. One of many things that people get into, kind of grasping for straws, looking, searching for ways to find a cure to, to heal and get healthy. Um, and seemingly not surprising. Part of what they do at this hospice is also trying new treatments. So that's part of it as well. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting show. I love that the stories take you out of the main story 
to give you a, a small little short story, but also within that short story illuminates and tells you about the person who's telling the story, right? They put themselves, they put parts of themselves into the stories that they're telling. So not only are we getting a small little interesting story, new story within each episode of the show, but we're also getting to know more about the characters as well, right? Specifically in this one, maybe we didn't get to know too much about Natsuki from her story, but because she, it was a continuation, she didn't get to finish it, a lot of jump scares. Most of this, the, the major story that we got was Ilanka's story and how this person, Julia Jane, is kind of her inspiration for being there, somebody who had the same cancer as her, went to Brightcliff and was miraculously cured, and that is what she is hopeful for as well. So I love that. I, I love that. I love how, you know, the overarching story and all that. Uh, the evil shadows is a, an aspect of the story, something that uh, one of their, Rachel, I think, uh, who was the person that uh, Alonka's replacing, the person that died, uh, that was into Wiccan, uh, she spoke of living shadows, uh, which is a scary element, something that we've kind of seen s little snippets of in Alonka's uh, hallucin or you know her visions, which her visions she had when she was at the party, and she's coughing up blood for the first time. She passes out. She has like visions. Uh, also, when she gets to Brightcliff, initially. Um, she passes out. She sees an old lady down the hallway, and she passes out. She's an old woman. Obviously, when she's having her dream, she, she has uh, the visions in her dream. So she's had some visions. We're in the 90s. I love these characters. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next episode of The Midnight Club. So this episode, this story, is to be continued. Come back for more. You're going to have to live another week longer to hear me talk about episode two of The Midnight Club. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. And follow the show on Instagram at Ray Taylor Show. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Ouch! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.